making brands and sales of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on Cape Talk. On Cape Talk. Good evening to the listeners of Cape Talk. It's just past 9pm on Thursday night on Cape Talk and you're tuned in to the new show, The Business of Entertainment, with me, your host, Martin Myers. I look forward to welcoming you into my world of the business of entertainment for the next 30 minutes, where we talk about everything from publishing to iconic South African artists to airplay, everything about the business side of the entertainment industry. This is to inspire us all. If you've never tuned in for the next 30 minutes, sit down and listen to listen to the business side of entertainment. You can always tweet us at Cape Talk. You can always tweet me at Martin Myers, M-A-R-T-I-N-M-Y-E-R-S. And you can always WhatsApp and send voice notes to 072-567-1567. And tonight I'm delighted to welcome, just past 9 p.m. on a chilly Thursday night in Cape Town, an iconic South African. I know the name is thrown around with abandoned by everybody, but he truly is. And if you've been living on a rock for the last 30 or 40 years. I'm going to set the tone with a little piece of music and then introduce who we have in studio to have a fireside chat for the next 30 minutes. Nothing's off the table. We're going to talk Miriam Makeba. We're going to talk Graceland. We're going to talk Johnny Clegg. We're going to talk football. And we're going to talk about this song. ground with all the guys i've been watching you welcome sipo hot sticks Mabuse. thank you for coming in <laughs> oh wow it sounds like yesterday <laughs> seeps good evening Mart. How thank are you? you yeah um, excited to have you i mean our friendship yeah. goes back to 1985 and it's an absolute delight for you to to give of your time on this thursday night to come and talk music and that song and everything else because you you've you have a lived history a lot of us don't. We we talk a good history game. You have a live, lived history. I've been watching you. What was that song about? Who was it about? Come, <laughs> tell us the truth, please. You know, normally we always write songs about love affairs, you know. And uh, I think one way or the other, if you, you've had an experience with a relationship, sometimes you want to put it in song and you want to put it in or maybe even write a poem about it. Um, this is a song that came about as I was involved in a relationship. It was really heartbreaking, you know, and uh, I never imagined that I could write a song about love, uh, you know, love songs and things like that. For some strange reason, this was the, the, you know, the moment for me to think, well, what am I going to say about this lady? Let me just write a song. Yeah. But it, it's so interesting that, that you say that because we've had various business professionals coming in over, over the weeks that we've been doing this since May, and they all speak about authenticity. And there you're writing an incredibly authentic piece, and it's resonated with South Africa. It's basically 
your calling card, but it's not because you have a huge history prior to that from Soweto Soul Orchestra, the Beaters, Harari, etc., which we'll get into. <coughs> but you play that song to anybody in South Africa and their face just lights up. Did you know this was going to happen in the dark days absolutely, of apartheid? Absolutely, absolutely not, Mart. Absolutely not. Except, you know, after the recording, I called someone who was a confidant. You know, there were two people for me that were very special. This was Peter Gallo and Ivor Harberger. You know, those two gentlemen were quite special in the music industry. You know, you, 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 you'd be loath to try and find people who were so dedicated to the music industry as those two people. And once I had recorded the song, and uh, there was re um, Richard Mitchell and I were in the studio, just the two of us, I went to Peter Gallo and I said, I think we're having a monster recording here. You know, Peter Gallo was the kind of person that will forsake his uh, lunchtime break with business people who'd rather be spending time with us in the studios. The, this is the Peter Gallo from Gallo Record Company, yes, the biggest yes. record company in the in, time in, in South Africa. Yes, this is Peter Gallo, whose father had started a record company. And Ivor Harbegger, who was, you know, he was obviously his confidant as well. They came to the studio to come and listen. And as I was playing this Peter Gallo, I could actually see his eyes. And, you know, he just said, what is this? We have a monster. That's what Peter Gallo said. And one of the things he said to me, he said, you know what? It's a great pop song but we need to give it an African flavor. Mm -hmm. And immediately when he said that, he said, maybe you need to, to bring in just an African sounding instrument. There were uh, xylophones in the studio and I immediately pulled those xylophones. As you can hear the, the opening the lines of the xylophones, mm. that was Peter Gallo's uh, suggestion. And I don't know if you wanted royalties. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But now, I've I've had the fortune, good fortune, to tour around with you in South Africa at various venues, and that the hood has changed the lyrics. So, what are the new lyrics? <laughs> you know, they've, they've, they've put a, you know, a, a, a spin twist. on it. Yeah, they do, they do. And the most popular one, actually, March would be Zuga. You know, it's like God, please give me five cents. <laughs> And this is how they, you know, the young children, right, even from the toddlers and so, as they, the song begins, and that's how they would start saying, and even Steve, the late Steve Kikana, mm. would go on stage before he does his ad lib. That's the first thing he would do. Mm. Says, this, this is what I hear every time I go around listening to burnout. And this is uh, how young people call it. Others have, not as popular as this one, mm. but others have created a, you know, township uh, patois around it. How do you react when people go, oh my heavens, it's you? Because the humility is astounding. Yeah, we come in at nine o'clock at night. We've got Barry and Brett producing the show. And there's an immediate warmth you give people. How do you stay so grounded? Is it because you still live with your roots in Pimville, in Soweto, or is it more? No, I don't. I don't believe that it's. Um, it has anything to do with uh, my, my, you know, my location. I think it has a lot to do with how I was brought up, 
it has a lot to do with how I've, you know, uh, uh, sort of um, created it for myself that, you know, this is just but a hype. The, hu the human being in you must, uh, uh, must, uh, must, must represent what is truthful and honest, you know. And I've always liked to hopefully, you know, create an environment where people believe that I, I'm just normal. And I think that's something that has kept me going for, for some time because it's never really been about what I do but it has always been about who I am. You know, am I this persona that is so defined by the success of the music or am I this person that is defined by who, you know, who were the influence, uh, the influential people in my life? You know, I walk on the foot of people, Mart, on the, sorry, on the shoulders of great people. I live in the township and I've been everywhere all over the world. But there's always been these people around where I grew up. I was privileged to have met the late, you know, greatest man ever walked on earth outside Jesus Christ. That is Nelson Mandela. Hmm. When I was eight years old, I walked alongside him, along with my parents during the, 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 the past defiance campaign. I was privileged to have met uh, many of the, you know, many of the, his peers, well, Babu Sisulu, you know, especially the, you know, the Rivonia trialists, most of them. And, and I think the privilege of having been in a family that was politically inclined, it enabled us to interact with such people, but also, you know, the privilege of being able to meet great musicians all along the way, working with fantastic musicians like Huma Sikela, Kaifa Siminya, you know, even going out to New York and performing alongside people like Stevie Wonder, who ever imagined being from Soweto, you go all the way to New York, there you are on stage with uh, you'd know. Mm. It was with Stevie Are Wonder, Aretha Franklin, Aretha Josh Franklin, Groban. Josh Groban and Cindy Lauper, Baba Mal and uh, Wycliffe Jean. You, can you imagine? So for me, it is important that I celebrate that but at the same time it should not be something that becomes my persona if you're just tuning in you're listening to the voice the iconic south african sipa hot sticks mabuse telling stories that we can all look to and and be guided as we move forward seeps you're in a unique position you've grown up through apartheid you've seen the ghastliness you've showed me as a young white south african back in the days where 76 happened at Morris Isaacson's school. You've been at the forefront of all these changes. Another, another privilege, Mart. Many people don't even understand it. It may have been tragic at the time, but also it's a privilege to have uh, met with this history, met with these developments, you know, and you would know you 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 would come to my home and you you would come to my home as a conscript but you were brave enough to come to Soweto driving my car in a military outfit mm. 
But because of the level of consciousness that you had, you had nothing to fear because you understood who you were and what you related, how you related to apartheid in the first place. Looking back at those those days, it inspired you to write very poignant and thought-provoking music to conscientize your peers and to conscientize us as South Africans. Yet, where did that political awakening come? Is it from your parents at an early age that you realized, hang on, this is ghastly, not in my name, apartheid? Well, um, should I say yes, but my parents' involvement, fortunately, because there were meetings that were held at my home. So that's where I would have been exposed to the political understanding. But I think as I grew up, Mart, I got to experience the hardships of what apartheid did. You know, when you're declared stateless in your country, that's when a le your level of consciousness you know, kicks in where you say, am I going to tolerate this? Am I going to rebel against it or am I going to succumb to it? And for me, looking back and then I realized that some of the people that I grew up with were willing to, you know, to lay their lives so that it all changes. And thankfully, those who did, I am here today to say thank you for having laid your lives so that today I can be in a wide radio station if I want to call Cape Talk that, to speak to white people about the, 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 the challenges that we faced as a people in South Africa, as black people. And um, I, I went through a process, uh, what do you call a uh, catharsis, mm. you know, when Steve Biko was killed, mm. when Chris Honey was killed. In fact, Chris died later. But I think it was that period of 1976, 77, where Biko died. And then we all suddenly consciously realized that, you know what? It's a system, all, all of us, whether you're white or black or colored or Indian, have to understand and break the back of the apartheid move. And indeed, and as everything was evolving, there were young Africana kids, you know, full free hate. You know that movement? Mm. The full free tour. Yes. Yanis Karkoral. Yanis Karkoral, you know, Pete Combeis and all those guys. And these were the guys who said, no, they told their parents, it can no longer happen in our name. And we must be grateful and, and be appreciative that there were those, albeit they were Africanas, but they understood the value of decent living which today I can, uh, you know, uh, proudly say I am a beneficiary of that, you know, contribution from some of those young people. Fascinating insights if you're just joining us on the businesses of entertainment on Cape Talk. My guest, the iconic South African um, Sipa Hotsticks Mabuse, who's got the Order of Ikamanga. He's been on the cover of GQ. He's a 4664 ambassador. He's produced for Miriam Makeba. The list is endless. I can see this going to two... Two stories this week. Um, we're going to have you in next week as well, Seeps. I can tell you that. So we're going to have to make a plan. But let me go back to, to Burnout. The song is massive. It's the height of apartheid. Repression is enormous. How did you manage to do shows 
because now everybody wanted you. You had to play everywhere. You were the coolest act in the country. <laughs> it's very interesting that you actually say that. Well, you're one of the people that put me through. <laughs> Unfortunately, Mart, you know, performing at UJ, sorry, uh, UCT, you were a student at that time. Mm. And um, I remember having this gig at this all-white audience, and it was all packed out and sold out. And it, it, it was the song. It was not me. Mm. I think people wanted the song. And that song, I think, changed the narrative of how people viewed us. And when I go, when I would go to the stage, for instance, at the concert in the park, one of the things that I would say is that it's time white people listen to the music on the other side of town which is the townships, as much as the people in, on the other side in the townships must listen to music on the other side, which was Santon. Wow. There's a part that people know very little about, but I think if they're watching DSTV, they're going to see your face, <laughs> <laughs> your love of football. You're, you're, you're in a series and there's Irving Koza and uh, Keza Motoong and a number of other people, but at the moment... Your mugshot is right up front talking about football. Now, I know when I was doing history, you were at um, Orlando West, which is just up Villacazi Street. Irving was at your school, and we're going to talk about that in episode two. Um, but well, where he, did this, where well, did this was, love of was, football? He was not at our school. He was at Morris Isaacson. Oh, okay. Yes, he was at Morris Isaacson, yes. But where did this love of football come from? Well, much. you know, football... Uh, it's like religion in the township. <laughs> <laughs> football is like religion in the township. And we had great footballers coming out of the townships. And they, they are very influential people in everything else outside politics. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, my prospective brother in, late brother-in-law, Scarasono, mm. was an, an enigma. He was iconic. Mm. Everybody that spoke about football spoke spoke about Skara. So we all played in a team of, you know, we would be playing soccer in the townships. We had teams in the, almost like in the UK. Every team that is, that is named after the township. I played for City Rollers. I, you know, and Pefeni, Orlando, Morocco Swallows and so on. So, that influence came from, you know, the influence of all those great footballers. Can you expand on that? We have Liverpool and we have Everton. We have Manchester City and we have Manchester United. Is Soweto divided that certain parts support Chiefs, certain parts support Swallows, certain parts support Pirates? Does it work like that? Well, let's Where talk, you born? Let's first talk about uh, uh, England. There's Manchester City and then there's everybody. Ooh. We need to clear that. <laughs> okay, there we have it. Steve supports Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to we we need to, you know, dissect the 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 super and the mediocre. And for me, there's just Man, Man City and the rest. You know? Yes, in in Soweto there is 
yeah, it works exactly like it is. I think we we were we were influenced by how football was, you know, de- developed in the UK, and of course that that also emanated from colonialism. So we need to understand that all that was brought into our country, so that we try to emulate everything that was in the UK and so on. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Morocco, Dubai, from Dubai onwards. There was Morocco swallows mm. because they represented that whole area, Morocco, Jabavu, Rockville, and so on. And then in the middle, there was, um, yeah, well, let's say Orlando West at that time was more divided between Orlando Pirates and Morocco Swallows. Mm-hmm. And those were the two teams when you go to Indian sports ground, for instance, to go and watch football, the stadium would just be a nightmare. Mm. And when you went to Orlando Stadium, the stadium would be a killer. So those were the two teams that at that time many of us supported. And of course, there were other teams in other areas like Renfontein, Rosebras, that uh, uh, Benoni United. They, you know, teams were named after the townships where they came from. But, but people listening know perhaps three names. It's Chiefs, Pirates, and now um, Patrice Montsepe's side. Um, and how, there's Cape Town Spurs as well. Yes, but tell it, push. How did, and they're both your mates, Irving and, and Kaiser, build up that it, those are the teams synonymous with, with South Africa. And I'm not putting you on the spot to say which one do you support because you're friends with both the, the owners. No, I think, I think what is important is that, you know, when one develops a, 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 a level of self-consciousness, which personally I believe Kaiser and Irving, you know, um, possessed to say, look, this is the only area of control we can have football because it is a game that belongs to a particular people, that is the Africans. And uh, we must be in control of this. And But we can also recreate and ensure that it grows within us. So when, remember, Kaiser was the first one. Irving was a student. Kaiser came from the U.S. and f- with the breakaway of um, a, a, a certain group of people, which was my friend, the judge, Ratamukhateng, uh, Edward Musomi, Zero Johnson, and so and Ewart Nene, who were expelled from Kaiser from Orlando Pirates, and Kaiser came back from the U.S. and he started, you know, and also he found that the the, the environment was hostile. I guess he had no choice but to uh, go in there and start a team. With Irving, he was a fan of Orlando Pirates. And what was happening with Orlando Pirates, it was falling apart. You know, there were all these disagreements and as to, and he came in and he mod- modified Orlando Pirates into the strong team that had quality leadership in which he became the person that ensured that Orlando Pirates became the team that it is today. So both of them, I have utmost respect for actually ensuring that football remains in the hands of those who had created an environment and space for young people to grow and thrive as footballers. As we close off this wonderful discussion with Super Hot Sticks Mabuse on the business of entertainment, I want to close off with an iconic moment that has had a profound effect on South Africans. You going back to do your matric and finish it. 
amazing story. Why? Why, Mart? I get asked that questions, you know, number of times, and I've always believed, you know, I, I, I think I grew up in an environment when, where academia was the, 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 uh, the influence, and um, at the back of my mind, I had always known that I had wanted to be an academic. But for some strange reason, I became a professional musician by default. I became a professional musician by default. I did not in intently go out to become a professional musician and so on. And uh, it has always been one of my desires to go back and complete what I had started at high school. And uh, lo and behold, and in, there was a time when I was not as busy as, even though I was, but I just felt, you know what, there's unfinished business. And I suddenly realized even that the younger people were despondent around education. They, don't, they didn't see it as something that is worthy pursuing. And I thought, they look at us on TV, they listen to what we do, they read about us, and we become the model of what they would love to be, forgetting that there is something beyond what they see on TV or what they hear on radio. And I thought, look, I need to motivate young people as well to say it's never too old, it's never too late to go back to school and get the education. Because one thing with education, it's not always about the kind of job that it's going to provide. It is the power of enabling you to deal with or, or to articulate issues, you know, confidently. And for me, I was at an age where I would not have been employable, mm. but it was important that I used my influence to, imp to empower, to motivate young people to say, look, you may not necessarily get that job that you desire, but it puts you in a pole position you are added an advantage of getting that job, that job that you desire as a, a young person if you have an education. But if you don't, wait until you, when you don't have an education and see the difference. I know you were incredibly disciplined. You would go down all the time to school. What did the yeah. teachers say and some of the students? <laughs> I mean, you are hot sticks. Yeah. They all know you. It was fascinating that even, you know, what is what was even more fascinating and interesting about this is that some of the teachers were much younger. They were young enough to be my children, and they could not understand why do they believe that they should be teaching me when I should be taught by some, uh, you know, older people. I said, no, I'm here to acquire knowledge from the younger people who have gone to school to complete education. And some of them were saying, what is it that we're going to teach you? I said, just let me into the class and then you'll see what it is that I'm coming to learn. And thank you for letting us into your class, into your mind, into your brilliance, still living in 
Soweto, we're not going to give the home address. It could be stormed. But on this, <laughs> on this Thursday and night. And sadly they do, Mart. <laughs> we, 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 we're going to have you in next week. I'm thrilled and delighted where we're going to talk Maria Makeba. We're going to talk a song party. I want the real Graceland story. I want a story about Johnny Clegg. I know you were very close to him. And the Maria Makeba story, because nobody knows that you did unbelievable work with Maria Makeba. Sipa, thank you for the time. It's an honor. Thank you so much, Mart. Thank you so much to Cape Talk. Making rants and sense of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K Talk. On K Talk.